So the Raging Romantics podcast has been proud to cover genres like paranormal, regency, sci-fi, suspense, Amish, blue barbarians, shifters, werewolves, monster, and on and on and on and on. A whole two years of genres that fit under that romance umbrella. But today, we are finally talking about that umbrella itself. Let's explore what contemporary romance actually is. Umbrella, Ella, Ella. Okay, you're not Rihanna. Just do your joke. Under my... Hey there, romance nerds. I'm Jen. And I'm Jackie. We're two librarians from Nopal in upstate New York, and you're listening to Raging Romantics. In this podcast, we like to think a little too deeply about romance books. If you're into theory, history, and raging about romance landia, then you should stick around. Please be advised that some of the things we talk about may not be suitable for younger listeners. Content warnings for episodes are available in the show notes. Jen, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. All right. Let's Let's rage! rage! I hope this joke works. I saw it and I laughed so hard I snorted. So it is a literary fiction joke. Are you ready? I swallowed. We're good. Okay, you know the author. Do a spit take. You know the author Stephen King. I'm vaguely aware. Yes. Okay. Yes. Did you know he had a son named Joe King? Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. I'm not joking. I know because he is. Oh. (laughs) You're right. His name's Owen. Really? Yeah, he's got a yeah, because he wrote that that horror book with his son. But I thought he had a son named Joe King. Oh Jesus Christ! Did that? <laughs> I thought his name was Owen. I thought it was Joe. Uh, there is a famous Joe horror, but it's like Joe Hill. Yeah, I thought he had a son. Yeah, Joe Hill is. Jo- oh my God, he even looks like his father. <laughs> he is the son of Stephen King. But I thought there was like an Owen King out there. There is an Owen King. Yeah, see? he wrote the the Green Book with him. It's got the guy with the weird teeth on it. Do we need to like redo this? No, it's, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's on par for a Jackie oh joke. God. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> I guess that's why you don't tell librarians r- weird literary jokes because we take it very seriously. Like, yes, of course, there's a, a joke. Uh... <laughs> Ha, ha. Well, that was that was really something, Jackie. The person who told it on TikTok delivered it a lot better than oh, me. Oh, we'll see. It's from TikTok. That's why. Ugh. She had a lot better delivery than I. Oh, okay. That's, all I that's the problem. And she didn't have a live audience reacting and interjecting. <laughs> that's true. I am great at interjecting. That's so bad. <laughs> and that's how you do a bad joke. <laughs> and you want to see how we do an episode? Here we go. This is how we do it. Oh. So thank you to everyone for tuning in to yet another episode of Raging Romantics. Cue soundboard. Yes, we are still here and we are so excited to talk to you guys about even more romance things today. So, and just as important, thank you to Northern Onondaga Public Library for letting us talk about all those romance things. I think for all of us to show our appreciation, let's let's make a plan to visit a local library this month. Yeah. Okay, check out some romance or some Irish history or some cookbooks or some DVDs with Colin Farrell. You know, however you want to celebrate March, do whatever floats your boat. Just float that boat over to your library. <laughs> that was a good one. Okay, so quick housekeeping before we dive into our episode today. We have seen the numbers, and we figured out you don't really like the book commercials in the middle of the episode. So, you know, fair enough. So we have moved them to the end for our listeners who are actually interested in what we're reading. (laughs) I swear to God, people ask us that. So it's not just us, like... We read a lot, okay? We just want to talk about things. (laughs) We are not being a little arrogant there. (laughs) But if you are not one of those people, you can just tune out without any guilt from us. I, I promise I will not cry in front of you. We are also going to attempt attempt in quotes and like italicized and you know maybe to make the episodes a little bit shorter because we do see that that hour long ones they do drag on for some of you it's totally fair we always have a lot to say but we are going to get better at wrapping it up or we'll just save it for a part two because you know we love a good mini series if these are changes you like or if there is something else you'd rather see us do don't forget that you can always email us at ragingromantics at noble.org it makes jackie very happy and a happy jackie equals a happy podcast (laughs) I couldn't make that rhyme, like, happy wife, happy life, but that was, like, my thought. Happy Jackie, happy Backy. That's the only thing I can figure (laughs) out that rhymes with my (laughs) name. Blacky. Wow. Well, with all of that out of the way, now that we've, like, settled in. Zacky. So, I have to tell you, Jackie, when I was staring at my wall, thinking hard about (laughs) what I wanted to talk about for this episode after our conversation last time, you know, what sort of things have we not covered yet? I realized 
we've talked a lot about contemporary subgenres and we have a lot of random info kind of scattered across episodes, but we've never actually had an episode that really examines the contemporary subgenre itself in one place. Mm. So here we are. Ooh. Okay, we're going to do our best. Uh, it, it's a little tough just because contemporary on one hand just like feels so broad and it's kind of hard to cover. It's a giant circus. It's tent. so massive, but we're going to get into it and we're going to do our best to make it interesting for you guys to cover every aspect that we can of a genre that is very broad and very hard to kind of pin down Yay. into spe- specifics. So we're going to we're gonna try. Depending on how fussy you are, there are a lot of ways to define the genres that fit under romance. But if you want to be really basic and really succinct, you can basically categorize everything into historical, contemporary, or speculative. Okay? I'm throwing paranormal and sci-fi. And fantasy. Yes. And fantasy. Thank Don't you. Forget fantasy. Under speculative because like that's the broadest way you can categorize those two subgenres. I'm gonna I'm really gonna try not to say broad too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that well, was coming up a lot. Contemporary is such a it broad. Is. It's so hard. So here is your podcast game. Take a shot of water. <laughs> Intense. Or yell rage on every single time Jen and I say broad. I'm going to try not to. But it's hard because like with historical, you can really narrow in on what it is. Time period. And yeah. even speculative. Like dragons. we don't really know what's going on with the future or with dragons or werewolves. So yeah, speculative. But contemporary, it can include so many different things. And that's why we have all these subgenres under it. Do you want to define speculative really quickly? Well, I did with paranormal and. Yeah. You defined it using itself. Yeah, that's what it For is. That's more than that. <laughs> Speculative, it's it's a genre that makes you think. It makes you question the world and kind of challenges things. Okay. I would say you could think, too, with historical, and you can kind of look back at the past. That's historical. Speculative. Yeah. Okay, hang on. Pause. Speculative <laughs> has an actual definition. Okay, I just came. I just pulled it out of my head. I was like, Obviously, I you aren't the fantasy together? reader. I was just like, well, like, what am I going to do with paranormal and sci-fi? Because those are very different from historical and contemporary. So it's like it's speculative because it's like, yeah, you could just speculate about how this stuff would actually go in real life because it's all fake. Speculative is a genre of fiction that encompasses works in which the setting is other than the real world. Okay. Involves supernatural, paranormal, futuristic, fantastic, or imagined elements. Well, there you go. That's all the speculative stuff we're talking about today because it's not the point of the episode. Yeah. But there you go. So we have talked about speculative and historical to death already. You can go through our episode lists to learn more about those genres if you would like. But today we're going to talk a little bit about what is contemporary romance, the kinds of tropes commonly found in contemporary, a little bit of added details about the characters you can find, because there are some differences, and then some reasons why people like to read it. And we're going to end up giving you a couple of our favorite contemporary books to check out for yourselves. Hmm. Do you know how we love to check things out? Did Hey. So if you want to look at where my book blinders are, (laughs) yes, coming up with sections for this topic feels incredibly obvious. Unlike historical or speculative, there's just so much broadness to writing in modern eras that it can feel hard to pin down what makes contemporary unique to other genres. So I really wanted to cover this for our romance nerds who are newer to romance and maybe miss some of the context when Jackie and I just rattle stuff off for our episodes, (laughs) which happens a lot. Sorry. So again, contemporary is interesting because it lends itself to being very, very broad. I can tell Jackie that, hey, I'm in a contemporary romance mood, but that only gives her a little piece of specific information, right? It's basically the time period. It's the time period we live in now today. So let's take the risk of quoting the RWA here, sorry, with their definition of contemporary romance. Romance novels that are set from the 1950s to the present that focus primarily on the romantic relationship. And like that's it. That's all the information they give. I mean, they made those definitions in 2017. It was a totally different time. But, like, that's all they offered us, which is... Five years ago. Six years. I mean, they've been a little busy since then with uh, fires they have set. (laughs) So they are probably not thinking about this anymore. But speaking personally for myself, I find that explanation is a little lacking. Not just because it's from the So first of all, that leaves a ton of wiggle room for what those kinds of stories fit into that category, which I guess is fine because it's, it's, you know, contemporary. But uh, second of all, I feel like it's something that can be updated and improved on. Let me say as a disclaimer, I'm not claiming the podcast as a leader in defining <laughs> romance classifications. Yes, it is. No, 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 no. No matter how much Jackie and I discuss the nitty gritty of the most specific of topics, like we are not the romance queens. We can't just, this is not going to be contemporary anymore. I can't do that. I can argue, though, that I feel like the yeah. 1950s is way too old to be put into contemporary. I like my mouth dropped when I read that. Yeah. Like, uh, the, that's like... 70 years ago yeah and like that's contemporary 60s 70s 80s like no so if i look at this coming from the science point of view in archaeology we do carbon dating from the 1950s Mm -hmm. i want to say it's like 1952 is content anything 
since 1952 is considered considered contemporary mm-hmm. in archaeology. I might have my dates wrong, but it's like 1950s ish. Yeah. So I understand that sense, and it is like the postmodern era mm-hmm. if we look at timeline history. And it's like after World War II, so we start seeing all these innovations. But there were no com- like there weren't really any supercomputers yeah. at this time <laughs> period. Had an iPhone in the sixties. Like I, societal norms are a thousand times different. Yeah, and like uh, so, I would really say contemporary fiction for me is mm-hmm. anything later than nineteen eighty five. Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking. I feel like the 50s, 80s has to be moved into kind of like a historical genre at this We've point. Ta- have we talked about this on the podcast We have not. Before? Okay. We well, haven't talked here. about contemporary, so please. Like, I, how, do, how do you feel about the 50s as I really think the 50s are historical. Yeah. Like, 50s, yeah. 60s, I think, are their own historical niche. Mm-hmm. I think the 70s are their own historical yeah. niche as well. I'm thinking, like, anything set in the 70s. Exactly. And then anything in the 80s, it gets a little wishy-washy in the 80s because that's when we really start seeing such a cultural shift, mm-hmm. especially here in the U.S of like who was working yeah. what we were working with computers technology um the modern work day like all that sort of stuff that we kind of think of with contemporary culture that we mm-hmm. live in really started in the 80s society alone i think has changed so much we just talked about this in book club where you know like yes the technology will be a little bit dated but the attitudes and values of the characters are like yeah they, they're not the same that's what makes a book look dated that's a good way now. of putting it we have, yeah. yeah like you said we just talked about this yes. in book club um, i was like i practiced yeah good job <laughs> yeah but no because i mean so if if we were to take modern jen and jackie yes. oh, and wow. plop them back into 1952 oh, we would be imprisoned immediately <laughs> we would not make it jen would make it further than me yeah. i'm gonna say that I would get in trouble, right? Yeah, off you would the get bat. in trouble. I can at least hold my tongue, and I can cook a little bit. I, I, can't, I can't hold my tongue. I can't cook that well, but I can definitely bake. So yeah. I can fake it until they ask me to vacuum, and then that's <laughs> it. And then I'm like kicked out of the housewife club. Yeah, I would not. I would not make it very long. You know that movie Stepford Wives? Oh, I would be Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Yeah, they'd have to brainwash. Yeah. Jackie. <laughs> But then if you take Jed and I and put us back in the 1980s, really even in the 1970s, yeah, I like, think okay. we'd be chill. It'd be a little bit better. Yeah. It'd be a little easier. Yeah. In some ways. I would go, you know, hunt down all the serial killers because I know who they are. <laughs> but we're really just time <laughs> walk up to the FBI point. and be like, do you guys know? All right. Well, now we're in time travel, which is speculative. Yes, this is true. <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, if you can't take a modern person and put them back in this setting, I mm-hmm. don't think it can be considered contemporary. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So I do think whoever is the romance queen needs to up that era because it's not... Queen Nora Roberts. Yeah, you be the one to establish this. But unfortunately, it does seem to be the time period that stuck because I've, I have saw it listed on a couple different websites yeah. defining it. I don't know why. Masterclass, though, actually had a fuller definition of contemporary that I want to focus on for this podcast because I think it puts the, the time period then into context. So Masterclass says that contemporary romance is often set in the time it's written, encompassing the time after World War II all the way to the present. Contemporary romances reflect the current conventions of a more recent time period, giving the genre a more modern approach. But I still think that they shoot themselves in the foot a little bit with mm. that definition because, again, World War II all the way to the I know. present. I mean, that part isn't, sucks. Isn't a current convention. It is definitely not. The thing I was thinking, though, is if we consider... Okay, I kind of hate this so much, but a lot of people credit The Flame and the Flower for starting the contemporary trend, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it's a historical novel. But it was one of the first stories to have more explicit sex scenes, a spunky heroine, really dramatic adventure, a huge mainstream popularity, right? These are things like we can see in contemporary. So Flame and the Flower was published in the 70s. So I could see if we are defining contemporary at that period when oh, it's kind okay. of becoming a thing. Like at that point, yeah, 70s, 80s, 50s is in that definition. Okay. So it's kind of like when they're writing it, what they're writing displays the contemporary yeah. more is. So when they wrote it in the 70s, when mm-hmm. Kathleen Woodowis wrote Flame yeah. and the Flower in the 70s, she was giving 70s characteristics to mm-hmm. her heroine and to her hero. Right. And so it kind of reflected that mm-hmm. contemporary idea. Exactly. Even though it took place in like the 1800s and there's like plantations and slavery and it was a whole But I mess. would still call it a historical, not I a contemporary. <laughs> I was really like, all these resources that are like, oh, it's one of the first ones. I'm like, but it doesn't take place in the contemporary. I think that it just gets so mismatched. Yeah. And I think it is because like going back to that idea of it's written in the most recent time period, giving it kind of like a modern approach. Like, because it did reflect the ideas of society at the time. You know, any Harlequin that was written in the 70s, I would call a contemporary. Yeah. As long as it was set in the 70s. Yeah, and that, and we're seeing, like, oh, women are going to work. They're being a little more independent. They're getting some money, which, like, applies to the 70s. 
I'm still struggling with the 50s and 60s, though. I know. At this point, I think I could, I could make sense in the 70s. Yeah. Because it's only a 20-year difference. Fine. But for all of these sites and, like, the RWA itself to be like, no, it should start in the 50s, that's a bit much. For me, personally, I feel like contemporary should be, like like you said, 90s up. Well, Even yeah. 90s is a stretch, but, like, yeah. it's 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm just thinking about if we're considering contemporary as it was written in the era that, yeah. like, it, like so Jane Austen was writing contemporary at yeah. her time. Mm-hmm. But we consider it classic or at historical now. Yeah. It's not contemporary. Yeah, because these things age. Yeah. And that's totally okay. It's not that it's a... They did not put on moisturizer. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Do your skincare. They have a lot of stuff going on. It's totally fine that this is now considered, like, a historical novel because, yeah, it was, like, way in the past. Yeah. I would not put Jane Austen in a contemporary book list. No. Even though, yeah, at the time she was writing about her contemporaries. <laughs> I like, wish. So, I mean, I don't know if this is, like, too much of a weird Yeah, every non-librarian is like, oh, my God, Who get cares? over it. <laughs> well, no, I think it's important because when you go to look for a contemporary novel on Amazon or whatever, like, you don't expect to read about the 50s, I think. Like, I've never met anybody who's like, oh, I love contemporary so much. I just love that period after World War II. Can you think of any romances that are set in the 50s? To be fair, I can't. But, like, I imagine it would have been more popular in the 80s, yeah. 70s, like, when it was closer to that period. Yeah, there were a lot of, because World War II, again, has dominated yeah. that scene for, for so, so long, long that there were a lot of medical romances. If we harken yeah. back to ye old Harlequin episode mm-hmm. I just did, um, there were a lot of medical romances that were de jour. Right. But I can't, yeah, I can't think. There really aren't any. that many. Not in the romance sphere. I can probably see them more in the inspirational. Yeah. So, like, okay, inspirational, I'm kind of putting under, like, a historical or, or contemporary but lens. But then again, that's hard because Amish, even if it is contemporary, they're they live like they're in 1890s. But I'm taking it as, like, okay, the evangelicals have basically put their own modern spin on religion in the Amish genre. Mm, yeah. So yeah. Like, and it still takes place in the present day. Even and if they don't have living. computers. Yes. So it works. I'm really hoping it's mostly librarians listen to this podcast. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> to the picking. one listener we have in Australia. <laughs> Hi. I'm so sorry. We love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love all of you. To be all fair. of you guys. Yes. Yeah. It's so important. If anybody knows anybody in Montana, please let them yes. know and listen to us because that is mm-hmm. one state we have yet to break into. But that's why I, I kind of like that, that master class definition more than the yeah. RWA or more than the others because I think that is the most important point to contemporary. It's written in the time it's meant to represent. Yeah. Yeah, there's obviously, as we just got done talking mm-hmm. about for, what, 10 minutes now, there's a fuzzy area around there, yeah. time it's meant to represent contemporary. Yeah. Contemporary to the readers mm-hmm. maybe is a better way of thinking about it. Because, again, if we think of Jane Austen, she was contemporary to her readers. Right. And now she's historical to us. Mm-hmm. I think, okay, so here's another way of looking at it. If it's it. contemporary to the readers, we still have readers who are from the 1950s reading mm-hmm. today. Right. So it's still contemporary to them. That's true. But even they're a little older now. Mm-hmm. They're kind of aging. They're not aging out. They're well, like still I, said, I think like I broke a calculator out. Okay, <laughs> it is like a seventy-year difference. Yeah, it's seventies. So I mean, maybe some of those people are still reading. This year, anybody born in nineteen fifty-three is seventy years old. Okay, so they weren't reading in the fifties if they were born in the fifties. No. Yeah. Hopefully not romance. <laughs> they <laughs> they would be young. even Jen and I in that case. Yeah, that's maybe <laughs> a little bit much. But it's interesting you say that about the contemporary because like yes, it's really broad and it blurs so much too because again thinking more about kind of like the styles and values being added in a historical lens like let's be honest a Georgette Heyer novel is a thousand times different from a Tessa Dare book yeah it's different from an Eleanor Glynn yeah it's so different we love our Spinster Cove books but that type of plot would never be found in a 50s book or a more traditional historical book right like you're not going to read about like a cool spinster school in the 50s I don't think so no. So even then, like, even in our Regency, we can kind of see that, that idea crossover. But yeah, like, the, the Spindle Cove books needed to be written in the 21st century, where as much as the authors love writing in this Regency period, it fits more of our contemporary attitudes. Yeah, there you go. That's- and, like, that's why this episode is so hard. Because yeah. it's like, I try to make a clear understanding of contemporary, but it stretches so far into our historical understanding. And, like, the speculative is a little bit easier, because it's, like, a lot of the speculative, okay, like, a werewolf book it takes place in 2023 but you could still argue because it's a different world different world building it doesn't quite yeah. like is it really our values or is it like the werewolf society's values you built built, I feel built like into it contemporary is just like a yes or no yeah so like is it contemporary yeah okay that's all mm-hmm. i need to know like like you said earlier you're like oh i'm in the mood for contemporary romance i'm like okay here are some of my here's a favorite queer book yeah. here's a favorite like humorous mm-hmm. here's a favorite sad but then like 
It's you so want, hard. No, to know. I just want contemporary. Yeah. Like I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> like you got to give me more than that if you want a contemporary. It has book. a blue cover. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because the contemporary just leads itself to so many different things. Yeah. Like you got to tell me more, Jen. You can't just be like, just give me something in 2023. Yeah. Because there's just too many options. There's so many options. Mm-hmm. And that's was like struggle this episode. That's why we break it down so much. Yes, it drives us crazy as librarians to not be like, this is where this goes and this and this and this yeah. and just narrow it down to like the tiniest possible point possible. We like, like if you trees. ever see the Dewey decibel numbers. Oh my god. I mean Dewey sucked. Like he was a yeah. bad guy, but let's use Library of Congress instead. That's even better. Library of Congress is even more specific. Because yeah. like, they have like. letters <laughs> and numbers. But- and then letters again. <laughs> So in spite of all of that uh, extra librarian nonsense, <laughs> that w- that's kind of a very rough, very broad <laughs> idea of what a contemporary romance actually is. If you guys get anything like, out of that, I'm so surprised. Like, to the best of our <laughs> explanation, right? It's this very wide thing that's applicable to a lot of stories. That's why some of the other genres we've discussed can fit under it, like, you know, our beautiful umbrella example. But it's obviously very important on its own, too. Contemporary books are some of the most popular books right now. If you look at the new releases or the bestseller list, it's a lot of Colleen Hoover and cartoon covers. Yeah. Cartoon covers are usually contemporary, yeah. aside from um, some Regency. But speculative and historical books are there, but it's in numbers small enough that, like, for example, we really struggled this year to have a book club list that wasn't just contemporary. Or Regency. Or Regency. Like, Regency specifically. Thank you, Bridgerton. Yeah. But it is very Which difficult is fine. to get different it's things. Which is fun to read, but yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes you want to read different things. Yeah. So thinking back to my earlier question of, a, hey, Jackie, I'm in the mood for a contemporary romance novel. Let's dive in more into what I'm looking for outside of this time period. Okay. Okay. So we'll put our librarian hats back on and This is when you come up more. to the desk and you're like, yeah, yes, I would like to contemporary book you're like okay what floats your boat what's a no okay so the nice and hard thing about contemporary is narrowing in on the tropes because so many of them lend themselves to other genres like i sat here for a long time thinking of like well i can't say enemies to lovers because that's like every single trope in the entire universe can apply to that so yes you will see some of these in historical or speculative but i'm gonna make a case that they are especially important in a modern setting or like especially popular yeah yes thank you so love in the workplace i think is a big one it is right? the biggest one. You think it's the biggest? I think it's okay. one of the definitions. Well, not one For of the contemporary. It's one of the definitive subgenres mm-hmm. of contemporary. Because I mean, if we look at the '80s and '90s romances, I'm thinking back to those classic Harlequins again. So many of them were workplace romances, right. and they kind of started really defining that genre of mm-hmm. the secretary and the boss. Yeah, like, I mean, the boss is so as huge. it is now, but it's it was such a huge thing and i think that now we've started seeing that kind of branch off into these other genres so you mm-hmm. see it sometimes with historical like yeah. um tessa dare did the governess game mm-hmm. and the duchess deal where she was employee right. and he was the duke or whatever um and i'll see it sometimes in super spicy fantasies mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like she gets hired by the villain um and she has to like help the villain out and well, she's michelle yeah. mills has that whole sci-fi of like the demon alien oh hires right right the, right the nanny oh the, the, person, nanny, the, the aliens yeah nanny. yeah mm-hmm. that's a really good series yeah so fun but i think it really started in contemporary so this isn't like an exact argument because okay. i obviously agree that yes workplace is very important but i do have a question okay. with your your point you just made so then how do you explain something like pamela which was probably not only the first romance novel but was one of the first workplace romances like is, does that count as workplace <sighs> See, I think that this gets a little fuzzy because originally when you asked this question, I was like, oh, yeah, because she's a sex worker. No, I was thinking of the wrong book. I was thinking of Shamala, which is a spoof that mm-hmm. is a very naughty spoof of Pamela. Pamela, she is a maidservant to a wealthy landowner and then she marries him. So it's kind of like Jane Eyre, yeah. Jane Austen's dream-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that serving girl trope gets a little fuzzy mm-hmm. around the edges because yes it technically is a workplace but it's more, less about workplace and more about class divide oh it's a good point okay so i i really think um with workplace romances mm-hmm. now it's less about that divide and more about the tension of like almost forbidden love tension mm-hmm. okay i think because you know you're not supposed to have relations in the workplace you could say whatever. that too with your your, your class too in pamela yeah so like that's another thing. i think it all goes under forbidden love okay but there's just a different feel to it you're right like i definitely can sense like there is a different aesthetic to pamela that's and like putting it yeah aesthetic. i don't know what it maybe it's like because they're still clearly not on equal ground um different power dynamic Mm. i think with the master and the servant right Mm -hmm. versus um with a boss and a secretary okay there's still like a bit of that power struggle and power Mm -hmm. dynamic but i think that there is this higher expectation of 
I am the master. You mm-hmm. must go scrub for the fireplace. Yeah. And okay, sir, yes, sir. Versus the, hey, Pam, can you write it in my uh, journal next week that I need to have lunch? Okay, sir, thank you, sir. Mm. Like, there's just this different. I'm not going to say, like, secretaries had it better, but they did have things like HR. Yes. At the very least. And then I know, like, with, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I'm saying that with, like, a big caveat. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like with Pamela, you know, if you get fired from that household without a reference, like, what else is there left for her? You're down and out. Like, that's it. Like, you know, I feel like, too, with the, um, with the workplace romance, one of the goals is kind of an upward expansion into the upper classes. And with Pamela... It, I feel like one of the problems with that book at the time was like, how dare you say that these serving girls can marry their masters? Yeah, especially book two. That was like the yeah. biggest issue. Like because those books at those time were supposed to teach a lesson. Yeah. Right. They were supposed to be like morals and hey, look, she's she was a good Christian girl. And now, OK, she's rewarded with all this wealth, yada, yada. Where with, with the workplace scenario in like the 50s. The, yeah, that's a good. Mm-hmm. The point is not that you slept your way to the top. Yeah. The point is that you fell in love and you earned your way to the top yourself. Yeah. Versus, I think, with Pamela, she did basically sleep her way to the top. By accident. Yeah. No, she was, she did not have a choice in that matter, really. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's another good way of putting it. So, like, we don't, we don't need our office romances to be these moral stories of what you were supposed to do and not do. I think it's very red flaggy if it gets to that. Yeah. (laughs) That gets into dark (laughs) romance territory, I think. Which is totally fine because dark romance is contemporary, too. you want that flavor there's definitely Mm -hmm. yeah for sure um but you know i like i i sometimes like workplace romance and Mm -hmm. sometimes i don't it really depends on who's writing it how they're uh, writing it i usually lean towards not really liking it which is really weird for me because i feel like i do like all the weird stuff but like the normal oh it's a professor it's a boss i like i don't care the professor gets iffy professor is gross to me like i never had any hot professors maybe that's my problem I did, <laughs> but the, like that age gap and that power dynamic yeah. reeks a little bit to mm-hmm. me. But you know who writes a really good workplace is Tessa Bailey. That's true. She wrote one. Mm-hmm. I actually wrote it in one of my comments here. It's um, um. Oh God, window shopping. Sorry, I didn't oh, see yeah. the comment. But it's a Christmas romance, and she is a window dresser for mm-hmm. his department, his toy store, yeah. basically. And there is a filing cabinet involved. Mm-hmm. That is all I'm going to say there. Um, and then she wrote that lifeguard one where yeah. they were coworkers. I, coworkers is a little different from boss and employer. but it's still a workplace. It is like I still think it would be a terrible idea in real life. Do not date your coworkers either. You can't get away from each other. When no, it goes you'd have wrong. to fire. You're like you're sorry. You'd have to quit your job. Yeah, or get, get, get fired. <laughs> or get fired. So yeah. <laughs> Um, it's just not my favorite for yeah. me personally. I like, it's not even an ickiness about the power dynamics. It's just like I don't know. I'm like I'm here to work. You know what I really like hmm. workplace is when it's rivals to lovers. That's Especially, true. There's like that cont- like that fighting. I've been seeing it a lot in academic setting. Mm, there have been a lot right. of academic books lately. Dark academia. And, yeah, well, not even dark academia. I love dark academia because so much of it is fantasy. Yeah. But like just general academia rivals. Mm-hmm. So we're reading Love Hypothesis this month for book club. And they are scientific rivals, like misunderstanding. And she kisses him. She doesn't know it's him, but then she sees it's him. It's also Kylo Ren fanfic. Mm-hmm. And Kylo is the best. Adam Driver. Um, but then there's also The Makeup Test, which is medievalist fan mm-hmm. fiction, um, Rivals to Lovers. There's, there's so many scientific ones that I really, truly enjoy. You know what I'm thinking about as you say all these examples? The fact that you can have so many examples in a contemporary... Because Pamela, like, what? how many working options were there for women back then, really? You could, like, clean the house. Servant. Servant. Yeah, I mean, I know there were women who were business owners and who could do things, but they just yeah. were not The ones who are represented about. highly were the ones Yeah, the were the workplace. servants. Yeah. I feel like probably with the contemporary, it's a lot more fun where it's like, oh, well, this could be a school or this yeah. could be a, you know, we print paper. This one, we, like, do pottery. This one, we do whatever. There's, like, all these different, little, like, apps. Apps are so big right oh now. Gosh, and, like, yes. any kind of Silicon Valley thing. Yeah. I think that you get more vi- like uh, more options there. Yeah. Which is another really popular part of the workplace romance. Because, like, if I really want to read about a working woman, I don't, like, I don't want to read about the servants 5,000 times in a No, we want to read about librarians. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyways. Yes. So love in the workplace, major component of contemporary. So this might be a a little bit of a, I don't know if it's going to be controversial or not. But I want to say accidental pregnancy is big and contemporary. And yes, it happens (laughs) in historical but i am gonna make the point that in historical usually the solution is like immediate marriage yeah you know very very rarely have i seen like single mothers or like hiding the baby 
or kind of like these other little things that you can see in contemporary as options and as ways to kind of have a different plot. Yeah, I think the only time I've seen it is I've seen it in Vanessa Riley where mm-hmm. she was a widow. And we talked about that in our um, in one of our past episodes. Yeah, in our Regency mm-hmm. episode. And then also with Bridgerton, um, there's this whole plot line about the cousin who is pregnant and she yeah. has to find a, a husband. They did do that in the show and it's in the books. But like, yeah, that's the thing is she gets um, like all she can do is yeah. get married. Yeah. Right. With the contemporary, like there's more support. There's less stigma. There's other there's things choice. she could do. Yeah. yeah with a contemporary so it's more fun you know it's not like like yes there are still societies or places where it will destroy your life to get pregnant unwed but then in a romance it's probably going to be funny like you know in a romance most of the time the person who got the person pregnant they're going to end up together yeah that's like 90 percent. the other fun 10 percent is where like she had artificial insemination or like she i don't know slept with her best friend who died and Mm -hmm. then she falls in love with a brother or something like that (laughs) um but yeah i like it too when it's not actually his baby like i just had a really great layla frost okay where she had um oh wait no it's a spoiler sorry well she moves in next to a biker person oh i think i read this yes i read it it's so good oh really you read finding mayhem i think so you didn't put it on your goodreads Maybe I'm thinking of another one where she moves next to a biker person. Maybe. I mean, it happens a lot, but he's just so <laughs> totally cool with the pregnancy. It's was like, it okay. dark? No, it's not oh, okay, dark at all. Okay, this is a But one. he's very much like, okay, that's not my baby, but it's my baby. Aww, it's one of those. Like, I, I love, love those, those moments, too. And that's a lot harder to find in a historical. Yeah. I also feel like with historical, it is going to be the guy she ends up with getting her pregnant. Yeah. Like, she's not... I'm going to say 99.9% of the time, not going to be pregnant with somebody else's baby. There's one Sarah McLean I can think of where that happened. And then maybe like, there's like a couple random ones. It's not going to be right the trend. And also I feel like the intimacy and the historical takes place, like obviously halfway through the book when yeah. they've already become intimate. And then she's like, oops, I'm pregnant, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, and then I feel like a lot of the times with contemporary she starts off pregnant yeah. or like they hook up in the prologue or like mm-hmm. chapter one. And then she gets pregnant after that. Yeah. And then the whole plot is like, well, are you going to let me marry you or not? And she's like, no. Yeah. And it's fun. Like, that's what I mean too. It's like fun and contemporary. Or, like, it's scary. Angst. Yeah. yeah. There's maybe some angst and maybe there's some like parents that aren't approving or some friends that are like, how could you do that? Blah, but that's less and less as yeah. the time periods go. You'd see that like in the nineties, but today it's just like, whatever. Yeah. I, you could say what that, you could say whatever you like about what that says about society, but I think it's fun. I mean, hey, it's sexual liberation for women. Yeah. We're supposed to have bodily choice and autonomy. Yeah, you would think. You would think. You would think. (laughs) In the ideal world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, it's fun. Like, it's much more angsty and historical because it's a bigger problem to have an accidental pregnancy. I mean, that was the plot of Flame and the Flower. She gets pregnant from a rape. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you got to marry her now. Like, that's it. Otherwise, she's, you know, screwed for life. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) All right, here's another uh, kind of weird specific one, but sports romance. Yes. Right? I never, ever see, like, a sports romance set in a historical or even, like, a speculative. There's never, like, oh, I'm on the rugby team in the 1800s. I've seen horse racing. Tessa Dare did a whole horse racing one. Horse racing is a sport. <laughs> hey, it's no, more right. of a sport you're than right. NASCAR. Yeah, that's, well, no, but, like, the, the, the part is the, the changing of the tires. I'm only defending it because I'm from the Poconos. Okay, we have a whole like racetrack thing. Tessa Dare did a whole um, a horse racing one. Okay, and then we're we're gonna be reading Mimi Matthews, and mm-hmm. I think she has something to Siren do with horse Suska. racing. Yeah, is it, uh, in there. the hero was the jockey? Yeah, I think. And then I think I've seen a historical baseball one from like the 1930s or whatever. Okay, so like three out of the yeah. gazillion yeah. I yeah, yeah, mentioned yeah. during sports it's like, romance. It was like the accidental mm-hmm. pregnancy the statistic that I pulled yeah. out of my butt. <laughs> and I think some of it is there's kind of like a celebrity aspect. Yes. That you don't have in a historical in general. And I guess, too, like the sports aren't as exciting. I don't know what it is, but there's just like no sports romance. So, yeah, if you want to read about a, a quarterback, you're, you're not going to go historical and even speculative. It's never like. Oh, I'm a, I'm on the Orc baseball team, and that's the that whole plot. That would be amazing. It would be. Fun. I mean, I'm hoping it happens because, like we've said over and over again, there's so many more crossovers happening. So yes, do a sports orc or a, I don't know, a Minotaur who, like Rose, that would be funny actually. Um, um, um uh, Katie Robert hmm. in her newest book, Cruel Seduction, there is a house party where there is a tournament, like Hunger Games tournament. Oh, okay. So. Right. It's kind of sporty. sporty. There's a maze involved. It's like competition. And there's a character named okay. the Minotaur. I'll take it. Whatever. It'll work. There's archery. Okay. So if you're craving a sports romance, you're going to go to contemporary. Not historical. Um, 
Yeah, because once in a while you're in the mood, like I've admitted to needing, like I need a good sports romance, and that's what happens. <laughs> Go listen to Jen's sports yes, episode. Super yeah. fun. I also think plots that deal specifically with things like meeting online, yes. on the phone, on the apps, any Obviously. sort of like this new technology, because there can be some great meet cute setups, some good plot points, dealing with kind of the misadventures you can have online. Yeah. And meeting through the phone or like we really loved with our billionaire secret uh, or the billionaire secret wake up call girl. Yeah. It's a very long title. Like that could not have happened in the historical era. No. It just couldn't. I mean, what is she going to do? She's going to like bang on the window. The maid and she had to go wake him up. But then it kind of gets creepy. Yeah. Again. And it's like, how do you not know your own maid? She just got hired. (laughs) This is her first morning. And he is the rake and he rolls over and goes, hello, Mm. darling. Like, and I I can acknowledge too that Tessa Dare did have a very dramatic plot about fake love letters actually finding the real recipient, but that's just not common. Yes, in historical. No. So I think if you kind of like that aspect, if you want to see Tinder go badly or, you know, go right for once, whatever, then it's going to be contemporary. Ruby Dixon also did a version of this in her Coursera series. Oh, you're right. I am also going to make the argument. I'm very curious if you agree with me, Jackie, because okay. you have read more than I have in certain aspects. <laughs> certain oh, aspects. Okay. Uh, so I feel like more taboo type of plots are not as common in historical. Speculative is a little iffier, but I think, I don't know if this is like the consequence of Fifty Shades where they just kind of base a lot of the stuff in the contemporary, but if I want something on the more extreme side or a little darker, I just don't see that in historical aside from the, the one you gave me about the, the House of Pleasure. Right, that's probably the wildest I've seen. Yeah, I think that there was this whole um, trend in the early 20-teens where BDSM really got into historical. Because mm-hmm. I know I read a lot of Okay, that. so it is out there, but it just yeah. didn't stick around. It was like Allura's Cave okay. was the thing. Oh, was, see, so it wasn't. Okay. There was this whole series I read that was like Texas Rangers, um, and it was very, 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 very spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another series that was kind of like the BDSM Pleasure House one by Kate what's her name i'll put it in the show notes for you but yeah so like i read them mm-hmm. and there was a very good couple of series that i followed religiously but yeah i think it's now we get our taboo elsewhere yeah like i've never really seen like a step family kind of taboo plot or like some of these really scary bdsm or like some of the dark romance it just tends to lend itself to contemporary i don't know if that's like the author's fault or it just hasn't happened yet i think it will happen eventually i think they will make that crossover monster though Monster, yeah. So it isn't speculative because there is yeah. plenty of dark romance BDSM. Like, yeah, because obviously yeah. it just really lends itself to monster. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that from talking to Jillian Grace. Jillian Grace, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then also, I you don't read it as much as I do, but fantasy has a lot yeah. of it too. Mm-hmm. So, um, Raven Kennedy, who we talked about in our last minisode, yeah. she wrote a whole series. It was kind of like the first one is kind of a Midas retelling, King Midas, but it turns out better. And he literally keeps her imprisoned. In the entire first oh, book. Oh, yeah. You talked about that. So, and mm-hmm. then she's kidnapped. Of course she is. <laughs> but she's kidnapped by the hot guy. Oh, okay. That's okay, then. If it's the hot guy. He's a pirate. Fine. <laughs> well, if a hot pirate guy kidnaps me, I'd only be slightly upset. <laughs> but so those are some of the ones I thought of when I was really racking my brain thinking about it. Do you have any you would like to add, Jackie? You missed one of our favorite arguments. What's our favorite argument? Rock stars. Oh, that's a good point. Because, yeah, I've never seen like, oh, my God, I'm the best piano player in historical. Right. And I've speculative seen it, doesn't seem to have celebrity either. I've seen it in historical fiction, okay. but not historical romance. Because mm. historical fiction loves like Mozart, yeah. Rembrandt, the artist. Mm. Yeah, sort they'll of do a whole thing Caricature, biopic, whatever. Yeah. Um, but like. The romance where it's like, I love you. I really only see in contemporary. Yeah. I mean, now if we look at fantasy, we can look at um, The Witcher. But there's a character who was made up in The Witcher TV show who's not really in the books, so it doesn't really count. And everybody's Mm -hmm. like obsessed with him. Yes, Kia, it's great. Um, But uh, yeah, I think the rock stars are... That's a good point. Because even... even, It's kind of like sports. Yeah, because it's not really in speculative either. Now that I'm thinking... The closest they get to in speculative is like the leader of the clan. Yeah. But even then, it's not like a rock star thing. It's like, oh, you're the the boss warrior, whatever. Also, I know why we talked about why you're using speculative, but every time you say it, it's throwing me off. I'm like, but we're talking about fantasy. I'm just putting all of those things together. You're being a smart person, and my brain isn't keeping up. So I don't sit here constantly like, oh, in sci-fi fantasy, it's just all in one. They're all speculative. Um, I will also say, I think that 
and it's less of a trope because mm-hmm. the, these characters are not tropes; they're character right. types. Is neurodivergence and especially okay. people on the autism spectrum. You know what it is? Because I have read characters like that, like the madness of Lord E and Mackenzie right. from Jennifer oh, Ashley. So good. But the thing is, they don't have the words for it or the right. language. But she makes it clear that yeah, he is, he does have. Um, at the time, she used the word Aus- um, Asperger's, which isn't it's correct not anymore. A it's not a thing term, anymore. Yeah. But see, that's even now it's changed so much. Like yeah. they definitely did not have that in the. That was in the, the past period. five years that we've stopped mm-hmm. using Asperger's and yeah. just say on the spectrum instead. Um, should we talk about character archetypes in contemporary? Yeah, please. If okay. you have something to say, I don't. Go. Oh, <laughs> that's all I've got. <laughs> Because, I mean, I think we see a lot of character archetypes throughout all Mm -hmm. of romance, but, like, I do feel that there are a lot more queer characters that are represented in contemporary. I think because sometimes it can be really hard to put them into historical Mm -hmm. or to represent them in a good way. I agree with you for the moment, but I see that changing. Yes. Because I was just looking at the new releases again. Yeah, there's a ton of queer stuff coming out in historical. I'm so excited. And speculative. But it's, it's, again, one of those, like, slow changes. There's a medieval queer romance coming mm-hmm. out i can't remember the title it's folly something with folly i don't know but it looks so good mm-hmm. and it's medieval and yeah. they go into the woods and i'm like okay <laughs> it's like robin hood and she's mm-hmm. running away so it's not that i want to argue with you about having like a character archetype i f- but like like i said in my earlier point i feel like with the contemporary idea it does stretch out to characters in the speculative and historical yeah because tessa dare barely like, she does not really write characters that would historically fit what women no. were like back then. No. That's you know, a, that's okay. very much a contemporary thing. Yeah. So, okay, so not all the contemporary tropes are appropriate for all of the genres, but I feel like the contemporary kind of, like, characters and values yeah. is that's kind of what good, we apply to them. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. What about setting? I feel like usually contemporary has to be Earth-based. Yeah. Because it's, like, speculative... That takes, would, takes yeah. that non-earthly exactly that would cover it. like the spaceships i hate so much or the planets or the whatever's and there is monster contemporary That's but true. it's just it is it's one of those it straddles the line between contemporary and speculative because it's monsters i feel like because it is monsters though it's speculative yeah right but it takes place so like um the ruby dixon dragons yeah fireblood dragons takes place in 2023 but it's speculative because it's dragons like, but it there's is no like, such thing it's as our dragons. world and it's in texas yeah. and like there's the parking lots mm-hmm. and the long Longhorn cattle and like all that. There's just dragons, but like it's a whole apocalypse plot, so it's speculative. Yes, but I still there are no such as... thing as dragons in real life, so it's speculative. <laughs> um, what's the other one? There is um, Danny Wyatt just did a great series on orcs. Yeah, and then and that's another. It takes CM... place in Earth. They have like the orcs come down in a spaceship. CM Nascosta, who wrote the Morning Glory Mountain oh, the... Farm. <laughs> it is contemporary because it's our world, but then there are monsters. It's monsters, so it's not contemporary. But it's like contemporary technology if we're going with your definition of yeah. contemporary characters in our world oh i see what you mean so but like it stretches over but i still yeah. wouldn't characterize it as contemporary it's still just like yeah it's speculative it's monster it's paranormal it's whatever <sighs> see i think part of the re- issue is that i ca- i categorize contemporary more as a time period and less mm. of a like overall genre gotcha so in my brain if it's contemporary that means it takes place in today mm-hmm. today times okay that's fair yeah that's a way to think about it cool okay fair Thanks. enough <laughs> sweet um, other than that, I don't really have anyone's that you miss. I think Second Chance gets super popular. Mm. I mean, it's again, Second Chance is popular throughout all of our but I think there's a specific flavor in contemporary where it's they were married or they were together mm-hmm. and then so like romance book club where yeah. she asked for a divorce at the start of the book and then he has to like prove mm-hmm. or um again romance book club vlad's book book four the russian um they're married and she wants a divorce and he's like no i love you i get that but with historical there's like sarah mclean who did yes. that day of the duchess there's jennifer ashley who also did like i gotta get my wife back like there is still plenty of second chance in historical and speculative too if i can think off the top of my head you can't. I can't. Not <laughs> at the moment. But I'm sure it's there because that's I would just I would push back a little bit respectfully okay. there. Yeah, that's fine. It was one of those I was like second chance, and then the more I thought about it, I was like, eh. I think but... it's easier to do second chance in contemporary because yes. you have less of kind of like the societal things in historical where it's like, well, why do you want this girl? She's all washed up. She's divorced from you. There was like a lot of that attitude around. Yeah, and then it does lend itself really easy to other tropes. So like to rivals to lovers. Yeah. So like second chance, they were mm-hmm. dating, they were married, whatever, and then they broke up. Now they're rivals. Oh, yeah. academic rivals. They're both at the same lab. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. Cool. All right, so those are some of the tropes that we could see in contemporary that are very unique to contemporary. Again, I'm not saying that those are the only tropes you see and that they don't always apply, but to our limited, They quote have unquote, a strong flavor. Yes, of contemporary. That's a good way to put it. Thank gotcha. you for uh, your contemporary guy foodies. theory. <laughs> 
But I think that brings us to, okay, so why contemporary? With all of these other things out there, why are readers going to contemporary in record numbers, by the way? I mean, it's, it's one of the most sold genres in romance. Mm-hmm. Romance made $1.4 billion last year, I read. A lot of that was contemporary. It was yeah. a good mix of other stuff, but no, we're seeing lots and lots of cartoon covers all over the place. So here are my opinions okay. on why I think people reach for a contemporary over a historical, a monster, or whatever. So for one thing, I think readers really like reading about the comfort and knowledge of a more modern age that they're used to, that they've grown up in, that they know, right? Like, I love Regency, but sometimes it's just too fussy for the mood I'm in. I'm just like, not in the mood for a dance and all the dressing. Like, and just like, put on pants it's already. Like, I get it. Yes. Like, we already know all my problems with sci-fi too. Okay. So not to sound lazy, but there's just less stuff for me to learn in a contemporary usually. Like, I know what an iPhone is. Right. I understand the drama surrounding social media. It does not have to be explained to me. We can skip all the societal shame about living with someone outside of marriage on and on and on and on. There's already kind of a baseline of knowledge there. Yeah. So I can kind of just sink easier into the story, just really take in the plot and the characters and the themes. And it's not like I have to learn what a foxtrot looks like. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I don't have to go Google something because it's like, oh, who is this king? Yeah. Right? It's stuff like that. And then you go down a rabbit hole of the lineage. (laughs) So, like, I hate to use the word um, familiarity, but there is, like, like, like I'm from the 90s. I know what the 90s were like. Yeah. You know? Nostalgia. Yeah. (laughs) So, I think that's a major reason. If you're just tired already, just, like, get the book from the 2000s and be done. And that's not to say it's an easy read. No. Not at all. I Mm -hmm. think that with it being contemporary, you have the freedom to explore a lot of other things more deeply. Yeah, you don't have to world build. So, like, neurodivergence. Yeah. Again, um, it's... It, not easier, but it's mm-hmm. more familiar, more comfortable to expand out and to go really into these characters of why they're having these right. issues of like reconciling their you know, recent diagnosis or like coming to terms with how they can interact with this person who has a mm-hmm. neurodivergence um, thing. It's beautiful. Just <laughs> who is, your head uh, here. <laughs> who is a neurodivergent yeah. as well? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's just like you said, it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because we are living in this time. And as we all know, we like to self-insert into our romance yeah, books. So it's sometimes. easier to imagine ourselves. I think, too, n- I'm not saying I don't like paranormal. I know I sometimes complain about, like, the world building in certain things. There's there's no world building in contemporary in the same no, way. No, not really. Maybe you might have to set up a setting for me. Or yeah. maybe if it's, like, a group of people or community that I don't know a whole lot about. Like, when we read the matzo ball, like, there was some stuff I had to Google. Just because I didn't know much about... Um, Jewish faith and culture. Yeah, like, yeah. there was some stuff that I had to check. But it's not anything, like... There's I, no spaceship yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's no spaceships <laughs> that I have to, like, ignore the stupid flashing buttons and, like, it's, the shiny walls. It's not, not Hoth, where it's you <laughs> have to go kill a sockweed to get yeah. a, or a, a sock coast or whatever mm-hmm. to get a sockweed. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Ruby Dixon just took away my Ruby Dixon card. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. It's okay. I'll give it back. Thank you. I don't have any power over that aside from impersonating her. Her new book comes out in a week. Okay. There we go. We promoted that. You're welcome. So I also think there is a wider variety of plots in general with contemporary. So this is changing. Again, like half of this episode could be like, this is changing, but for now... But for a long time, historical romance has mostly been Regency with the upper white class, right? Yeah. We've talked about this forever. I'm, anybody can see this after Bridgerton. Though that even that's changing. I have noticed uh, more races being included in yes. the Regency, which is great. But there's exceptions. But, like, that's still been the most popular. Like, going through my own Goodreads, that's, like, that's mostly what I read because that's what was the most available, yeah. right? So for people who get bored of that after a while, which is possible, I usually go through Regency kind of spells for like two solid weeks I'll read everything Regency and then I'm good for a year yeah that's kind of how I found I'd do it so people who get bored of that yeah there just tends to be more options for all kinds of characters and stories in contemporary right we are lucky enough to see that shift in historical moving to other kinds of characters but I'm having a hard time finding stuff outside of Regency Amanda Quick is doing her part by writing about the 20s and 30s there's some Gilded Age stuff Beverly Jenkins still covers the Civil War and out but like it's still a lot of Regency. Regency and So Victorian, much Regency. Yeah. And that is all I'm saying. Speculative has a lot more wiggle room, but for some people, they can't suspend their disbelief enough to entertain a werewolf, biking, alien, ghost <laughs> boss. That's so, a good way of putting it. So it's just like, disbelief. Yeah, so yeah. it's just a normal boss, right? Yeah. You don't have to learn all this werewolf stuff and be like, oh, werewolf Like, we've all had real. that asshole boss before, and now it's Shisa. <laughs> oh, there's a quarter. Two quarters. <laughs> hey, it was a German. It doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, we've all had that type of boss before mm. that 
you just want to smack across the face and mm-hmm. now make them hot and yeah. now you're gonna get married Surprise! i mean i haven't had that boss but okay i've never Jackie. had that boss no <laughs> but okay maybe we've not all but we've all heard about those yeah. types of bosses and some people just they want to get into it they don't want the the alien the goat like it's just all this new stuff to learn and yeah. mythology and like and some people just are not into fantasy so yeah that's like contemporary is your route also probably the most important is people want to see the modern attitudes and modern problems reflected in the books yeah right so there is absolutely no excuses for sentiments of like it's always been like that in contemporary it's much harder to justify Uh, sometimes i talk to readers who get very concerned if oh we're putting too much of our modern day values in historical fiction or shoving it down somebody's throat and speculative right but it's not an issue at all in contemporary no. It's like, these are the issues of the day. This yeah. is the values. This is what it is. I mean, you get a very wide range of values. That's why you get everything from Nazi. How do I put it? Yeah, like Nazi romance to uh, the stuff we like, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no, I was just thinking of um, the best one I can think to exemplify that, not Nazi romance, mm. the other end of the spectrum. It's Crazy Stupid Romance, again, yeah. by Lissa K. Adams, where um, the heroine has been a victim of sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's, it's this was coming out of the Me Too era. Yeah. And so she's representing this Me Too movement and um, her and Liv, who is just a ball buster, yeah. and I love her so much, and they kind of go after this guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the best. At that and undercover romance, so books yeah. two and three are kind of like the best exemplars. Exemplars that I can mm-hmm. for kind of dealing modern with modern times, things. modern problems. Yeah, and for a less serious one because that goes very serious. But yeah. again, going back to drama from aspects of technology, social media, new societal norms. One of our favorite books, yeah, Bromance Book Club. It would be really hard to stage that kind of plot in a historical setting without totally overhauling it. Like, maybe you could do it in a speculative, but there's going to be some monster fighting in between book club meetings. It would very much be like Bridgerton TV show where they've kind of created yeah. this alternate reality, which then again, it bridges into speculative fiction. Because yeah. mm-hmm. none of that stuff happened, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, Queen and Charlotte people... was half black, but yeah. See, okay, I, w- I don't want to call out names, but I have met people who get so upset and think it's so fake and phony that the show depicts that. And like, then they go through on this whole Google thing of, no, she wasn't. And, like, it was just, like, mean rumors about her. Look at her portraits. She's See? half black. Like, it's a constant argument, though. And her family history, mm-hmm. they, like, there is family lineage that has been proved where she was, um, oh, I can't remember which line it was, but she was half black. Mm-hmm. I don't tell you, people get really upset about it. Like, well, there's always history revisionists. I mean, yeah. some people still think that the Holocaust didn't happen, yeah. so. But, like, the, those wrong. people think, like, the Charlotte thing is revisionist. Yeah. And, like, you just can't argue with them. So, yeah, I want contemporary because, like, I don't have to deal with it or fight. So I'm just tired at the end of the day. That's true. It's kind of my point. And, again, it's not easy reading. It's not. Not necessarily. You can have all the way from, from easy all the way to mm-hmm. romance book club where it can be tough to digest. And yeah. you can go, like, things that are really triggering. Like the Lotus House series by Audrey Carlin was yeah. one of the first book series that I read that dealt really heavily with mental health issues. Mm. Um, and, like, a heroine overcoming a lot of mental health stuff through movement and through yoga and, like, yeah. through other stuff that she does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just, again, we can – we can really relax into knowing certain aspects and yeah. be comfortable with the fact that we know what's going on while still being able to move through these harder mm-hmm. things. Yep. Yeah. I don't mean to be flipping at all. It's just like, it is what it, it is. It is. It's yeah. hard. Cause again, contemporary is so broad that even in this aspect, there is such a spectrum to contemporary. Yeah. And that has kind of been the problem. My whole episode of just like, how do I define this weird thing that it, it, it's got such a loose definition? But I, man. I tried to do our best. So <laughs> if you would like to see some of these contemporary things in action, here are some books that we love that somehow we haven't mentioned yet on the podcast. It just hasn't happened. So Fake It Till You Bake It. We just read this it for book club. Cute. It was so cute. Oh, my God. The banter was like, it was sugary kiss. sweet. It was a cupcake yes. of a book. An NFL player slash cupcake shop owner enters into cupcake. a fake relationship with a reality TV show contestant America hates for publicity. Yes. Right. So, of course, the feelings quickly turn real and it's just like, ah, it's so sweet. And it's got a good little dash of spice in it. Yes, just, it's just cute. enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a super quick read. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just finished Mistakes Were Made by Meryl Wilsner and I was blown away by how much I love this book. It is sapphic. It is. Um, uh, a college she's like a senior in college who ends up hooking up with her best friend's mom 
um, unbeknownst, at a bar one night, and she goes to breakfast the next day with her best friend, and surprise, there's her mom slash her hookup from the <laughs> night before, and, like, obviously, they're like, oh, no, we didn't, we can't do this, mm-hmm. but, of course, things happen, and it's this, like, I can't love you, f- mm-hmm. not um, forbidden love, and there's an age gap and a total MILF, and, like... Amazing. It's so good. I love it so much, and the audiobook mm-hmm. is chef's kiss and definitely not something that could happen historical don't listen to it in a public place because it is like <laughs> right from the get-go <laughs> i have not gotten to read this one yet but i am looking forward to reading it because i wanted in a goodreads giveaway i'm so excited hey, hey i know it's so cool partners in crime by Alyssa oh, yes. rye yes what seems like it'll be a normal rom-com type plot between naveen and mira who are looking for somebody to settle down with turns into a crazy vegas heist when mira is nearly kidnapped off the street and finds out her dead aunt had a lot of secrets to untangle I've heard that this can be compared to Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, and nice. And I am here for it. That's exciting. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. Fun. Um, I don't have another one. Or Yeah, because I, I struggled really to okay. – because I haven't read – Oh, no. Hang on. I can recommend one. Allie Hazelwood just came out with Loathe to Love You, which mm. is a collection of shorter stories. Oh, it's cool. like three novellas and one in her Steminist um, series, which – we're going to have to have a chat about the term steminist at some point, you mm-hmm. and I. Maybe we'll involve Thomas. Hey, Thomas! Because <laughs> he definitely has opinions about okay, that. Good. Um, but yeah, it's like super cute, and one of them is set in the Arctic. I don't think I've read any of these type of books yet, so I don't know. We'll I'm excited for you to read Love Hypothesis. I just, uh, I've already read Raylo fan fiction. I don't know how I feel about reading it in a book form. My heart. I, I don't even watch Raylo. Star Wars. She doesn't. I hate Star Wars. I've taken firm. a vow to not watch Star Wars since I've gone this long in my life to. I don't want to start. I can't even show her all the hot edits of Raylo because I watch like, the gifts. There's like there's whole edits. And I don't know about Raylo. I mean, I'm fine with Raylo. I'm really like the Mandalorian more than oh, anything. Yes. Yeah. Like Yoda's Kate cute. <laughs> yes. But there anyways. We- <laughs> and there you go. Now you know everything there is to know about the major romance subgenres. Woo! We did it. Good job, everyone. Gold star. Start. You have graduated from romance from beginner kindergarten. Story. Yeah, basically, this is like basic <laughs> stuff. We should have talked about this like oh, when we started the podcast. We really, have been able to. That's true. Yeah, yeah, we were anyways. a mess back then. <laughs> we're still um, a mess. But hey, what are we doing next time on our messy podcast? I haven't even told Jen this yet, so I'm oh, super excited. Okay. Um, I I don't know if you know this, Jen, but I our probably next don't. I don't know a lot of things. Comes out on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, cool! So, in okay. honor of St. Patrick's Day, I am finally diving into fantasy. Okay. In like the very lightest, most Irish sense of the term, and we are looking at fey romance. Oh, okay. So you're gonna be real specific. Mm-hmm. We're gonna look at. Okay. I have no idea how else That's to do cool. fantasy, and this was mm-hmm. the only way I could think of like to start okay. nipping away at it. Gotcha. So we're gonna like chip at it. We're gonna be looking at dark fey. Okay. Why you shouldn't walk in the mushroom circles? Oh, that'll be fun. Okay. Why you knock on wood? That sounds perfect for Irish for. For Ireland, and I will even keep my really bad Irish accent to a minimum. I okay. hopefully promise. Beautiful. We'll so, see. Yeah. Thanks. We'll see. Cool. Okay, I can't wait. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us, and definitely tune in on St. Patrick's Day for a very special Fay episode of Raging Romantics. Yes. No, what do we always say? Rage on! Wait, actually, no. We have to talk about the books we read first. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Go. You go first. Hey, romance nerds. Do you want to know a secret? Yes. You're our favorites since you stayed behind to listen to us talk some more about books. Yeah. So it's you guys. Yes, you are the librarian's we pets. But don't tell the others, okay? It's going to hurt their feelings. Do you want a coloring page or a To know we love you more. But anyway, now that you guys know that you are our beloveds, what book did you read that you love, Jackie? This is cheating, and I already talked about it, yeah. but I really can't Cheater. shut up about it, is Mistakes Were Made by Meryl Wilsner. In case you miss me saying it, it is an age gap sapphic romance that is contemporary. There is absolutely, like, no angst except for the fact that they really shouldn't be dating Mm because she's dating her best friend's mom um and there is like it's it's just kind of this perfect way to dive into sapphic spice okay i liked her first book you didn't so it's kind of okay now i'm like curious maybe i should try to reread it but i think it's the hollywood thing that's that's fair it's not always the fun thing for me either and it's a slow burn but for me, I am in a reading slump, unfortunately. Oh, no. I know. It's a struggle. The last two ebooks I read were like, ugh, I'm not talking about those. But the last book that I did read that I actually liked was Hunger by Roxane Gay. Mm. It's this really amazing memoir Roxane Gay wrote about her body and how she ate herself into obesity to mm. shield herself from some really traumatic things that happened to her at 12. It was really powerful. Yeah. This whole thing is just like this sucker punch of vulnerability and rawness and truth bombs. It's excellent, not just because she's an amazing writer, but how she takes you on this emotional tour of her body and her life 
So all of her books are great. She's got great thoughts. You should also mm. follow her on Goodreads, by the way, because she does have and great things to say about books. She's writing a book with Channing Tatum that is going to be oh, a romance yeah! book. Oh, yeah! I forgot about that. I'm so excited. Yeah, I definitely want to do that for book club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one, especially, out of all the books she's written, is definitely the one worth checking out, in my opinion. Can I say one last one really quickly? Yeah. So last time we talked, I was reading Temple of No Gods by H.M. Long. Mm-hmm. I finished that, and I finished the trilogy Barrow of Winter. And Barrow of Winter was an one of the best fantasy books oh, nice. I've read in a long time. Oh, good. It was absolutely amazing, and especially read it now during winter because it's set during winter, and it's, like, <laughs> really good. cold, mm-hmm. and it's set in the Arctic. So, And there's bears, bear riders. They oh. ride bears into battle. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Okay, that's all. Oh, beautiful. And that is it for real to our most loved romance nerds. You guys, Jen, yeah. what do we always say? Rage on! Bye, guys. Are you recording? Has this chair has always been this uncomfortable. Am I like sitting wrong? Maybe, my I don't know. Ah, Just don't wiggle too much. Graceful, I know. Oh shoot, my water. Yeah, get your water. Get ready. Be like <laughs> nice and comfy. We gotta like. Jeez. Where are you? Well, probably for the fire, right? Well, a rivet. No, oh. Next to the sprinkler. I don't know. It's a secret camera. About so it doesn't spiders. get the so the sprinkler doesn't get lonely. It's got another gear head. Lonely. Yeah. Right, I am so lonely. Right. Okay. Uh, my poor back. All right. It's going to be great. <laughs>